Hello everyone, this is the Royville Movie House. All my popcorn is gone and we've just stepped out of the theater, so it looks like we are going to review our latest film. Alright, today was a... A doozy. Yes, it was, it was hard to watch. Very hard to Actually, it was so hard to watch, um, just a second. It's Budweiser time. It was um, actually not that long of a movie, but it felt like hours. Yeah. Anyway, without further ado. <laughs> what is this marvel of cinematic achievement, Ellen? The incredibly strange creatures that stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Yeah. <clears throat> it was... The screenplay was written by Gene Pollock and Robert Silifant, and the original story was by E.M. Kefke. It was directed by Ray Dennis Steckler, starring as Jerry, Ray Dennis Steckler, but he used the, the stage name of Cash Flag for his acting role. Cash Flag. Madame Estrella was played by Brett O'Hara. Harold, who was the best friend, played by Atlas King, which is an amazing name. Atlas King. Well, no, Cash Flag, the uh, ancestor of uh, General Flag of G.I. Joe. Sure. Angela was played by Sharon Walsh. Madison was played by Pat Kirkwood. Carmelita by Irina Enyo. Tony... Uh, sorry, Stella was played by Tony Campbell. Stella! If you remember that, or if you don't, please go back to our earlier uh, reviews of A Streetcar Named Desire. Ortega was played by Don Russell. <laughs> Actually, this guy had an amazing uh, prosthetic nose in his... Dialogue. I think he was talking, but all I heard was. Uh, <laughs> and last but certainly not least, James Bowie played the nightclub comedian. James Bowie. No relation to the late great David Bowie. All right. So the bits of. I don't think David Bowie's dead, by the way. Just yes, so he we is. Know. Oh, the late, great <laughs> David Bowie. Do you want me to edit that out? No, you can. Hey, this is raw. <laughs> we're, we're trying to make this as comical as possible because really this movie was shite. It was awful. Anyway, the only bit of interesting trivia that I found out about this movie. Well, there's a, a little bit, but much of it was filmed on an old... In an old, empty Masonic temple owned by Rock Hudson. Oh, wow. It was a building that was nine stories tall, and it was basically constructed of uh, sound stages for... Nine stories, you say? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I said. All right. Just now. <laughs> um, Brett O'Hare was usually a stand-in for Susan Haywood. Madame Estrella was the only quote-unquote real role of her, of her career, which we could tell. <laughs> real role of her career? You will only do what I say. 
Anyway. Was she the mole lady? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sharon Walsh was not originally meant to play Angela. Bonita Jade was given the role, but when it was time for her scene, she said she had to leave to meet her boyfriend. <laughs> I would have left, too, to meet my boyfriend. Um... In some screenings, employees in monster masks, sometimes including Steckler himself, would run into the theater to scare the audiences. Well, yeah, I think uh, they were just checking to make sure they weren't dead. Right. Um, The nine-story building was a series of makeshift sound stages, stacked floor after floor, some big enough to create the midway scenes indoors. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yep. The studio that was uh, that was used that year for production of The Creeping Terror, another low-quality monster movie. So basically what happened was, uh, during the filming of the movie, Steckler was in terrible needs, need of funds, we could tell. Right. Um, not just for the movie, but he was going to be homeless. Okay, Steckler. He's the director and the yeah, star. Yeah, I totally forgot that so far. He was because, Cash yeah. Flag. Cash Flag. Just remember, Cash Flag. <laughs> he. Uh, Who did Cash Flag play? Jerry. Jerry, and that was... The Bum. The Bum! All right. The main character, yeah. He was in basic need... That know. actually tells me quite a bit about this film. <laughs> so Atlas King, who had grown close to him, he played the, the roommate, Harold, in the movie... He gave him $300 and the use of, uh, out of his own pocket, basically, and that's what the film was filmed on. And the station wagon was Cash Flag, Steckler, mm-hmm. family vehicle. All right. Sounds good. Um, well, when it was originally released, it was not the first name of the movie. Really? That wasn't the first, uh, that wasn't their number one go-to for that film name? No, it wasn't. Their number one go-to... Was, uh. No. Okay. (laughs) It didn't change it to, uh, to the incredible, creeping, space alien zombies that walk and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) Okay, got it. The incredibly strange creatures, or... Why I Stopped Living and Became a Mixed-Up Zombie. But it was changed in response to Columbia Pictures' threat of a lawsuit over the name's similarity to Dr. Strangelove or How I Stopped Worrying and Learned to Love the Bomb. An actual better film. Yes. Or at least one with a point. Yes. So, during distribution, Steckler was dissatisfied with the initial distribution plan uh arch hall arch hall senior studio which was fairway international pictures put it on a lower part of a double bill with no arch hall seniors film being the first i don't know if any of you remember this but arch hall senior was the director of ega Once again, uh, please go to our earlier reviews of movies. Thank you. Uh, So he bought back the distribution rights and purchased the rights to the Coleman Francis picture, The Beast of Yucca Flats. This is one that I don't think is on our list, but it's pretty bad. If those of you who watch the Mystery Science Theater 3000 old school classic stuff, 
It's one that has a beloved place in our hearts. It stars, now I can't think of his name and I feel really bad, but it stars the big guy who was also in Plan 9 from Outer Space. And I might have to look that up because it's going to bug me. But anyway... He used that and then If he, you know who that was, please put it in the comments. <laughs> he he road showed the double feature pictures with the Beast of Yucca Flats and the incredibly strange creatures that stopped living and became mixed up zombies and did all that other stuff. And then in order to get repeat customers, he would trick people and change the name of the movie. Some of them were the incredibly mixed up zombie. Diabolical Dr. Voodoo, and The Teenage Psycho Meets Bloody Mary. All right. Now that being said, let's get into this cinematic masterpiece. I don't even know what to say about this plot. It was rough. It was It was actually, though, straightforward. The basic plot was pretty straightforward. Basically, the Unabomber and a couple friends go to the carnival and meet a fortune teller who says that he is a shadow person, and then the woman that is trying to do some nefarious things, she's a gypsy woman, a very bad interpretation of that, trying to make zombie people and chain them up i don't know she gets caught so she gets the unabomber and hypnotizes him to basically kill a bunch of people and then turn him into a zombie at the end that to me is pretty much the whole plot okay sort of yes okay i say unabomber because no offense but cash flag when he is killing people basically his outfit is a hoodie and to me, he looks exactly like the picture that was published of the Unabomber. Do you agree? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Minus the beard. Minus, well, yeah. Minus the beard. Understood. Minus the beard. But, um, yeah, I would agree with that. My problem is not in the s- simplicity of the story that they were trying to tell. It was that they tried to make it more complicated by throwing in the side plot of ballroom dancers. Yeah, there was a lot of... And then the side plot of the Barker's date. Right. Well, I think there was a lot of filler to keep... Because honestly, cash flag... Mm-hmm. Okay, so, because I'm going to call him Cash Flag because that's more <laughs> exciting. So, Cash Flag has an idea to get some money by making a film. He has about three pages of dialogue for this film and needs filler. And evidently knows somebody who knows a bunch of musical performers and burlesque dancers. Knows some carnies. That too. So, most of the, I would say most of the movie, right? Well, that's a good portion of it, yeah. Is filler with dancing shows, singing shows, a comedian that really have nothing to do with the plot at all. 
the yeah the the ballroom dancing plot was was strange because I guess she was an alcoholic and she kept messing up her routines, which I didn't see until she really messed up her routine, like until she really mm-hmm. messed up her routine. Um, and then she's scared of cats. Yeah, there was. And then the dance, uh, the the date girl, the Barker asked her out on a date, and she said, "Okay, where are we going?" He said, "Well, I'll bring steaks and you can cook them." And then she's like, "Who's gonna wash the dishes?" And he was all like, "Don't worry, baby, I'll I'll wash the dishes." So and it was just really weird. There was just little weird vignettes, I guess. Well, I think that Cash Flag was giving you a little bit about these people so that you would care about them if they died, but the problem was what he didn't understand was his writing was crap. Well, yeah, but it wasn't his writing. It was his directing. Okay, well his directing so I don't think, I honestly think that those are to show you a little bit about those characters' lives. Okay. And so they didn't just appear on the show and were filmed and were killed and you didn't know who they were. Giving you a little bit of background. Kind of like if you have a Cabin in the Woods style slasher flick, you have the scene at the beginning where... All of the teenagers are talking about their lives, talking to their family, talking, you know, hey, we're going to go out for the, this, you know, for the weekend and we're going to have a great time. Oh, it's the summer or, oh, this is our last hurrah till we get, you know, mm-hmm. we're getting old. Well, I think that took the place. Those little vignettes of the various people that were killed, that's what they were going for, I think, but because the movie was horrible, not well acted, not well directed, and no offense to whoever. Well, I guess, I mean... Full offense. I've never written. I've never <laughs> written a movie. So I've never written a film, a screenplay, or whatever. So more power to him. But the writing wasn't that good either. So bad acting, bad writing, bad director, bad editing that is a beautiful recipe for disaster. And it was terrible. Yeah. I to kind of flesh out a little bit about what Steve said about the plot. Um Jerry's the main character and he's a bum. He doesn't want to get a job. He doesn't have a job, but he drives a car and he has a pretty girlfriend. Harold is his roommate who I'm, I'm assuming earns Literally every bit of money that Jerry spends. That's my assumption. Because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Even in the 60s. It doesn't make a lick of sense how he is able to drive a car and live in a house and be okay. Um, Harold is just a nice guy, roommate, best friend guy. Um, And Jerry dates Angela, whose mother hates Jerry and actually kind of with reason. I mean... He doesn't have a job. He didn't have a future. He didn't care to have a job. One of the things that Jerry says to Angela was, I thought we agreed that what I say goes. (laughs) He's a winner. (laughs) Very, actually, it reminded me of a line from a very good film. How is this going to work out if you don't do what I say? 
um, from that, Open Range. But that guy had a job. That guy had a job. You're right. That guy had a job and some charm. Mm-hmm. But so that happened. Um, they go to the they go to the carnival. Looks like they're having a good time. Jerry decides he wants to go see the girly show after they go and get their fortune told. Before they went in to go get their fortune told, the Stella woman, who is the uh, ballroom dancer, went to go get her fortune told because she's convinced that something bad's going to happen to her, and the gypsy convinced. The gypsy confirmed that, and so she left all scared, and ah. And so that enticed the three kids to go in and get their fortune told. Mm-hmm. Um, Angela's fortune was pretty clear. Something bad was going to happen to her by the water. I caught that this time. She said, mm-hmm. by the water, something bad was going to happen. Right, yeah. Um, but then, as Steve said, uh, she told Jerry he was basically a shadow person, and there was no fortune to be told. So Jerry goes, the, the three of them come out of their, their reading with Madame Estrella, and there's a barker outside on the midway trying to get people to come into the girly show, uh, which, as we find out, and as Steve said, was actually quite disappointing. But <laughs> they have two dancers out, and he tells them to sample things and then pulls out Carmelita, who is their headliner, who's a... A very attractive, very, very attractive statuesque gypsy woman. Uh, Jerry gets enamored, says he wants to go watch the girlish show. Angela says she doesn't want to, and so leaves without him. Uh, Jerry gives Harold the keys to the car, and as Steve says, sure, I'll take your girlfriend home, but she won't be your girlfriend tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry sticks around, watches the girlish show, which is some of the filler that we talked about. And it's terrible. It's actually not even good dancing. It's not good singing. Well, I mean, the singing wasn't bad, I guess. But I think it was pre-recorded. The dancing was terrible. Dancing was bad through the whole show. Um, Not all of the singing was bad, but it was unnecessary and therefore kind of just boring and dragging out a terrible experience. Yeah. Because there's three actual songs with three different singers. And they do the whole song. Like, they don't cut away, and there's some some stuff, and they cut away to a plot, and then come back. No, they do the whole freaking song. And it's not supposed to be a musical movie. So, yeah. So, taking that into account, now, at this point, we are in the middle of discussing something. In the film, what would happen is we would start and do a singing number for the next five minutes. It was terrible. Yeah. Well, so for the next five minutes, go and listen to some music. We'll be back. We'll wait. Okay. We're not going to wait all that long, I guess. So that's what would have happened. Uh, the show would have been trucking along, doing its thing, and then there is a cutaway to a song. Or there is a cutaway to a dance number. In a horrible slasher flick? Yeah, very jarring, very boring. Let's go on. Yes. So, uh, Ortega comes in and does his whole Igor thing. (laughs) And gives Jerry a note from Carmelita that says, meet me in my dressing room. He goes... It's from Uncle Leo! (laughs) Sorry, the guy reminded me 
no offense to the actor that plays Uncle Leo. I thought he was hilarious in the in the TV show, but he reminded me of Uncle Leo. In Seinfeld, the television show. Yes. Just so you have reference. Yeah. Um, so they... He goes and he goes into the wrong dressing room. So you have the classic comic, the girl screaming and yelling at him to get out and hitting him with various pieces of clothing to get him out. And then he goes into the right dressing room and she takes him behind a curtain and it turns out that Carmelita is Madame Estrella's sister and they hypnotize Jerry to become this serial killer to do her bidding. So for some reason, she wants... Stella dead. Not sure why, but so he goes to kill Stella. He does it on stage while she's dancing on stage and kills her dancing partner as well. Just a, you and know, nobody that was smart. saw a thing. Well, they all screamed and stuff, but yeah, nobody saw a thing because mm-hmm. the police didn't come to his place right away. <laughs> well, and also there was that news on the radio about oh, right. how nobody, there's, there's no idea of what this person looks like. All he did was pulled his hoodie up and pulled the drawstring. I'm, I'm serious. It was not a very good disguise. So he goes home and doesn't remember getting there. The next day he goes to apologize to Angela, who at poolside decides to pull out a umbrella and twist it so that it forms the little hypnotizing spiral thing and he starts to choke her and tries to kill her. It was a sunny day. There was no rain. She wasn't putting it over her for shade. Why, oh why, did she pull out the umbrella and begin to twirl it? I wanted to know when this movie was filmed and released because I thought she might have been trying to be the penguin. (laughs) and repel the bat yes (laughs) it was bad so they get uh, that's when Madison is named it's just some dude that happens to be at her mom's house all the time they don't name him ever he was washing his car during one scene he was grilling in another and Madison comes and basically throws Jerry off of him and Jerry runs away and Stuff happens. So basically at the end of the movie, I'm yada, yada, yadding over some stuff here. They basically chain him up, put him in a room and, well, not chain him up, but put him in a caged room. They threw some poison on him that was turning him into a zombie. And when they threw him into the room, evidently the other zombies decided, yeah, screw this. We're leaving. Yeah, we don't want, we don't, we don't even like this guy. <laughs> so, He's bringing us down. <laughs> He's not wrong. Anyway, he, they, they surge out, kill Madame Estrella and Ortega and Carmelita, and then overtake the midway at the same time that Harold, Angie, and... Madison are on the midway looking for Jerry before Angie's mom calls the police. Harold begged for 12 hours or something like that to find Jerry so they can take him to the police themselves rather than send the police after him because they think that they can talk him into going. Okay. So the three kids 
again, without Jerry, but instead with Madison, walk into the Gypsy's place because they're pretty sure that Carmelita somehow has some sort of connection to Madame Estrella or something, or it was just a really strange coincidence. They walk in, they find, they find Madame Estrella and Ortega's body, and Angela proceeds to do screaming pretty much from this point until the end of the movie just screaming which is the most emotion that she has ever shown in the entire hour and 20 minutes till this point just screaming <laughs> um they chase and and track Jerry down to the shore because the the midway is on a boardwalk kind of situation on the coast somewhere. I'm assuming San Francisco because they had trolley cars. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, east coast somewhere. But yeah, trolley cars. So Anyway, it was a rocky shore and he's running away. And he's telling them, go back, go back. Leave me alone. Go away, go away. And the police officer who follows the three kids shoots him yeah he was running away he was telling everybody to stay away from him he wasn't around anybody and the cop shot him (laughs) and then he proceeds to have a really dramatic long drawn out death scene which he didn't deserve. The character did not deserve a dramatic death scene. But he got it. And died on the shore after Harold and Madison dragged him back on board. So, that's the end of the movie. I have some issues with this movie aside from what I've already said. So I'm just going to go into it. This movie was edited terribly. The soundscape was awful. The, or mixing, sound mixing was awful. We'll start there. The sound was so terrible that I had a hard time understanding the people and the characters in the movie that had no accent. It was hard for me to follow dialogue and plot because it was so fuzzy. It wasn't crisp. It was... Now, granted... In defense of the film, that could be because it is so old. And it wasn't remastered or anything. Yeah, you are right. It could be. But, man, it was terrible. But that doesn't excuse the terrible editing editing between scenes. It's basically, yep, we're done with this scene. Here, start this next scene. There's no transitions. There's no... It just literally, it's like, it cuts from... Steve and I talking to Steve and I walking down the street. Like, poof. Like, there's no... I don't know how to describe it. There's no fades. There's no showing you that a scene is going to change. It literally is boom, boom. Yeah. And that happens a lot through the... That's how they edited the show. We have a scene here. We have a scene here. Let's just... Let's put them together. Yeah. And it just jumped all the way through. It was so jarring. It was so bad. And then, I know I said this before, but the performers themselves, the singers weren't bad, but out of place. The dancers were terrible. Were were just terrible. I mean, the 
headliner, Carmelita, just walked back and forth on stage and took her dress off. That was it. That was literally, I mean, just walked back and forth. She didn't even, like, shimmy her shoulders or, I mean, she didn't even look like she was trying to be provocative. Mm -hmm. And in a burlesque or, you know, a peep show or whatever, I'm not so upset that she didn't, like, show anything. I'm more upset that she wasn't graceful. I mean, she wasn't anything that should have enticed a character to be so into her that he would ditch his girlfriend and best friend just to stay to watch a show. Yeah. I mean, yes, she was attractive, but there was literally nothing else about her that, that would support that. I Mm -hmm. guess she, um, and like most of the bad movies, the acting was terrible. The writing was terrible. The directing was terrible. Uh, it wasn't very high quality, as far as production quality was concerned, um, it do, it just appeared as though the director, sorry, Ray Dennis, I can't read upside down. Steve's got the, <laughs> Steve's got my notes. <laughs> Ray Dennis Steckler. Um, it appeared as though, yes, he did produce this movie for $300. The $300 that Atlas king gave him it's not true entirely it can't be even in the 60s it would have cost a lot more than that yeah but it was so low budget and steve knows this about me and i'm sure you're starting to if you're listening to all of these get the picture that i actually tend to enjoy bad movies i enjoy good ones too however this one i just don't understand why it was made We've watched some some bad movies, and we've watched some movies that were on this list of worst movies ever made that neither Steve nor I understand. Looking at you, Spider Baby. Because that movie was actually pretty good. It didn't deserve to be on this list. Every other movie we've seen, I would agree, deserves to be on this list, but none more than this movie. And this movie is like even... I know that Steve has said in the past, you know, like, I don't understand why it's on the list because it's just boring. Well, I understand why this is on the list because this is just bad. It's, it is a bad film, yeah. It is badly made. It's badly written. It's not well thought out. It's, it's not well preserved. It's just terrible. All the way around. It's just terrible. And the main character is not sympathetic. He's just a jerk. He's a... Yeah. Brick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and in comparison, every other character in the movie, aside from the like truly evil ones, obviously, are so much better. Like, I don't understand how Angela's not with Harold, who earns all the money in there. And actually, the guy was pretty decent looking fella. It wasn't that he was ugly and all of that. He was better looking than Jerry. But he, she turned other guys down to be with Jerry, who has no job and is, treats her like... like Treats her like crap. <laughs> I just... I have issues with this movie. I do see, though... Um, this film reminds me of a very horribly done Tarantino film. Because, take, for example, uh, Pulp Fiction. 
you have a number of individuals and their own stories and through the course of the story they intertwine to a conclusion of some sort um, or kind of like a love actually I, I don't it's weird that I am correlating this movie to love actually but you know you have a bunch of different people in their own lives they intertwine and then the story connects kind of at the end okay this reminded me of that kind of style of film, only extremely poorly executed. With the Love Actually and the Tarantino films, there are a number of stories that start separately, they interweave, and then they create a broader story together. With this movie, you have that. You have... The dance couple and kind of seeing what's going on with them separate from the quote-unquote gypsy woman and her machinations you have the couple the the young kids with their friend what's going on with that and then there are a couple of other characters the the dance people the other singers the comedian and you have all of these different stories that eventually weave together and create one story one kind of conclusion at the end so i can kind of see an interesting way to make a story make a film and with a better director a better visionary that idea can be very interesting, fun, good, and exciting to watch. This one was none of that. At all. Yeah. I mean, I can see what you're saying, though. I can see that that might have been what they were going for. It is a, it is a common way to tell a story is to tell from different viewpoints and then bring them all together. And the central point being Madame Estrella... Because all of them saw her. Right. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. The problem is, like, there was no need to tell this story. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, with the, a lot of the bad movies, though, yeah. there really isn't a need to tell that story. I think that nobody... But the thing is, like, even in Iga, they improved. They... Maybe not improved. They, they grew or there was an arc. Whether it was a good arc or a bad arc is actually beside the point. But there was movement and traditional storytelling as far as the characters were concerned. They were not static things. They just kind of moved around and did stuff. Right. Whereas in this movie, nobody got better. Nobody learned anything. Nobody got worse. It just happened it was like they programmed robots to tell a story and that's almost literally what it looked like right. <laughs> i mean like there was no emotion there was no well they didn't pay for the emotion <laughs> fair enough at 300 dollars. i mean yeah. you no don't get much for 300 dollars. let me tell you <laughs> but anyway down to the last of this 
Ah, uh, Steve, do you hate me for making you watch this? This was very, very poorly. This was bad. It wasn't good. I don't hate you for making me watch it. But if this isn't number one on the list... For me, this movie was by far the worst film we've watched so far. I by would, far. This is number one. This wins... The carnival rides, this wins the the uh, balloon taw, the balloon pop, the ring toss, everything. And then I have uh, an interesting question on this one. Do you Are you mad at me for making you watch it a second time? Yeah, we obviously, <laughs> as you know, we've kind of neglected our reviews. And I told Ellen that for me to... Be able to review this film, we're going to have to rent the theater out again, and it was worse the second time. <laughs> and I think you already answered my typical second question, which is, does it deserve to be on the list? Yes, yes, very much so. So that's all I have. So I that's, really that's didn't everything. like it. Uh, there was uh, a few scenes, you know, the quote-unquote, once again, the gypsy woman was very racist in my my <laughs> opinion there was also a couple other like dance scenes that would not hold up in our day and age just so you know if you're going to watch this film yeah i don't recommend watching this film we took the bullet for you or the stab for you so that all being said this was our review of the incredibly strange story of the unabomber going to a midway killing some people being a prick to his girlfriend annoying the real zombies all right <laughs> that was good <laughs> all right well thank you thank you i tried on that, that one. one i think was I really my favorite on one. one so anyway that all being said Coming up, we have a review of one of my mother's favorite movies, The Sound of Music. And I've never seen this. All I know is that the hills are alive, and I'm really hoping this is another zombie movie. Yee. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Well, other than that, any parting words, Ellen? Not at all. I think I got it all out. I did not like this movie. All right. Neither did I. So it looks like they are lighting the lamps on the streets of Royville. So that is our time. Uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, please comment and subscribe. Uh, if you didn't, then you probably will love the movie. I don't know. But this has been our uh, review of the incredibly strange creatures that stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Breathe. Bye. <laughs> If you like it, subscribe. More coming. Thank you. Have a good night.